Please support the Climate Change and Happiness podcast. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com. The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Well, hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, our podcast. This is a show for people around the globe who are thinking and feeling deeply about climate change, the personal side of climate change and other environmental issues and problems. And here we're talking about what it means to be happy in a world that in the world that we have and all the other feelings that we have. And Panu, we're getting into our third season. Uh, and there's a lot of um, here in the, in the late summer of 2023, in the northern hemisphere for both of us there's a lot of things going on in the world what's on your mind today and what are what are some of the things that are capturing your your attention uh, yes it's been a heated time in europe and northern europe uh, the summers on average of course have gotten gotten warmer and there's been all kinds of disasters and uh, also this summer they have been very present in in the european media and lots of wildfires in different con countries where i'm living in finland it's a bit cooler but still of course people are concerned about that and uh, as a peculiar dynamic there's many finns who have been having holidays on these islands near the mediterranean or in greece and then mm. escaping the fires so so that's on one hand a sort of privileged position in relation to these climate change enhanced impacts uh, but they are getting closer to us also yeah the theme the theme upon and i have been talking about for today is this idea of of, of unnatural coping with these unnatural disasters these disasters that are not what we would typically have the fires are not the same as they would have been they're not in the same places that they would have been the the storms are not the same as they would have been in the past they're not in in the same places they would have been in the past and we've had some really pressing issues as we speak here now there's hundreds of fires burning in greece for example um some of them quite close to athens some of them's really not in, in any control um, we've just endured this horrific fire disaster in Lahaina, uh, on Maui and Hawaii, mm. with really graphic um, images of this this um, destroyed, burned out city. That to me just reminds me of photos of of, of, a, of, a, of a bombing of, of, of Hiroshima. Mm. Uh, you know, there's this weird uh, weird kind of. Uh, remembrance of of nuclear war and the atomic bomb with the recent oppenheimer movie that's been popular mm. of course in los angeles we had um this um tropical storm hurricane uh, that was captivating everyone and people were really worried about what was going to happen 
with that storm uh and then of course an earthquake happening at the same time i don't know Pano, what you think but to me I, it's just amazing that we're taking all this in because if i had told you five or ten years ago that this was what going to be happening you wouldn't have believed me i don't think i would have sounded really exaggerated all these things but they are happening and we're we're, we're enduring them on a, on a you know on a daily basis of course the there's a whole list of things we can add canada has had historic season of of wildfire the east coast in the u.s has been blanketed with wildfire smoke from canada for example earlier in the year so there's just a lot it to me it reminds me of this idea of habituation where we just get you start to get used to our, our our baseline shifts and we start to get used to used to things and then our emotions kind of go along for the ride on this i don't know what, what you think about that yeah there's definitely the danger of this apocalyptic imagery becoming a kind of new normal and these dynamics that's environmental psychologists have been discussing for years including you Thomas and many people you and I know mm -hmm. about the possible responses they are becoming more and more acute you know this difficulty of staying emotionally connected to a world with so many bad news we have been discussing this several times in the history of the podcast but it's a constantly present important issue that's that's here and then the possibility of compassion compassion fatigue for for example mm -hmm. or emotional numbing or psychic numbing that was one of the research teams of robert j lifton who also studied the hiroshima survivors so there's a link to that 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 dynamic also so i'm really concerned about how are people able to stay in touch with this reality but also not to get too depressed and uh, how to find ways to cope with both the stress in the nervous system and the various emotions we are experiencing so i think this all leads us back to some very fundamental themes of this podcast yeah for sure uh for sure yeah so listeners you can think about how this this whole issue has been impacting you obviously we have listeners around the world I hear from people, so we might have listeners uh, in Hawaii uh, or in Greece. Um, so we have a, a range of things happening here. I was thinking about, um, just as you say, Pandu, some of the original research or the things that I was first exposed to years ago, you know, the difference between a natural disaster and a so-called technological disaster, right? A natural disaster, like a a hurricane or an earthquake or a flood and in, in the in the old days this would just be seen as what, what the language would have been this is an act of god right it's, it's a thing that happened um and we we cope with it and we band together and, and and do what we can but it's no one's fault uh and that's the key piece psychologically of a natural disaster it's no one's fault you, no one caused the the earthquake that's what happens living on the planet and the, and the plate tectonics and all that sort of stuff so it, it does tend to have the destruction um, and threat, but it also brings people together to help each other because there's no one to blame. But these, these technological disasters, when there's a chemical spill or an explosion or an oil spill or nuclear meltdown or any of these kinds of purely technological things, there's, there's clearly a, someone responsible, someone should have been in charge. 
there's sometimes negligence and social justice issues because often poor and marginalized people are the people that live near near chemical plants and near nuclear plants and all that sort of stuff. So the technological disasters are way more complicated and 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 harder to cope with. Um, and then I say this this story, uh, but it's still quite you know useful. Like when I first studied this, they they. The researchers talked about natech disasters, so part natural, part technological. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, when I first read that, it sounded some sort of like some sort of science fictiony idea. But really, many of the disasters we've coped with over the last few decades are natech disasters, like Hurricane Katrina was both a, a, a storm, natural storm, but the breakdown of the levees and the and the and the system of of uh, in, New, in in New Orleans was a technological failing the lahaina fires we can see that very similar to me lahaina it reminds me a lot of katrina uh an historic mm. treasured place destroyed um and lahaina clearly there was the uh, confluence of many things there the the wind storms the grass fires the uh lack of a a fire protection system there and and um we can see this being kind of worked out in the news right now. All the people looking at all the problems that happened in Lahaina, the uh, irony that the um, the very advanced warning systems they have for tsunamis and ocean directed threats did were not were no help with the fire, and they couldn't even use the alarm system because the alarm system would have caused people to flee inland, which would have caused them to go toward the fire. So they were sort of paralyzed. Mm. I mean, it was clearly a breakdown. Of, it was a breakdown of society, a breakdown of the system there. Uh, and, you know, we still know that thousands are missing and many people died. So that's a terrible example. Uh, but it's clearly a natural and technological. And then, of course, climate change itself, because these storms and fires and heat are, are is juiced up and, and made more severe because of human activities with the climate. So that that all that stuff is still helpful, mm. and then the idea of compound disaster—that's the thing that I found helpful myself to understand some of these things. There's multiple disasters. So here in Oregon, where I live, the danger would be not just a fire; it would be a fire and also a windstorm, because the windstorm will interact with the wildfire to create this mega fire. Um, and so, of course, in Los Angeles, we had people joking about the. Uh, Earthquake, you know, they both had the, the the they were in the path of the hurricane, and they happened to have an earthquake. Those are two separate things. They're not linked, as far as I can understand, in any in any material way. Um, but it does. If you're there, that's the danger. Those are the things we really do need to worry about. Truly, uh, that's not eco anxiety. That's a true threat when there's a compound disaster. Um, if there's a heat, there's a heat event severe heat and a, and a breakdown of the power grid where there's no air conditioning that will be a very terrible compound disaster that's where people many people will die so you know we do have to we do have to think about these things these are real real threats um i don't know i always talk about these different kinds of disasters and the breakdown because it's helpful for me to understand but i don't know what you think about that Pony. does that do you think that's helpful well, definitely, I think that we need much more discussion and preparing for this very complex interplay of various threats and crises. And as you say, Thomas, there's a 
political failure element in many of these disasters also and, and sometimes it goes goes deeper to the whole relationship between industrial cultures and the surrounding n- nature for example cutting straight the lines of rivers which then has all kinds of effects both for water and sometimes sometimes for other other things so there's many many things in the natural system which actually help to prevent certain kinds of damage Uh, and the industrial and human tendency to alter those kinds of things is now also becoming increasingly tricky tricky and dangerous yeah yeah and it's a teachable moment i think i mean i learned uh, that the one of the issues in Lahaina, I mean, obviously Hawaii, I mean, again, I come back to the Lahaina event because I feel like at least for people in the United States, many people in the U.S. have gone to Hawaii. That's a very treasured vacation uh, place for people. I was talking to someone even, I mean, just to be candid, I was just, you know, the place where I get my hair cut, the, the the, the 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 stylist that I work with that, that keeps my hair so beautiful. Uh, uh, she was talking about how her sister was married in Lahaina, and and uh, they have fond memories of that. And that that's a common story. You know, we've talked about flight guilt and 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 travel before recently, but you know, for some people, they save up. It's a once in a lifetime, uh, you know, special thing to go to a place like Hawaii, uh, and have people have these. So so I, I think the the Lahaina event is touching a lot more people than we might imagine. And it's that vicarious impact because the people have personal memories there. So there's that piece of it. And then um, I learned that, you know, because of the plantations and the change in the, in the landscape, because the ancient Hawaiians used to manage the landscape much differently, but after the, you know, sugarcane and other, you know, plantations were there, they introduced all these different grasses, non-native grasses that are, actually evolved for fire so they burn they're they're meant to be burned and that there that's not the native that's not the native kind of grass that would be in 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 hawaii so it's going to the even the insight about the grasses that we plant and how they affect fires is a new understanding for people and i think it's actually a benefit that we'll start to learn about some of these things Mm -hmm. because people never have never thought about that Mm -hmm. really at least not not outside of some fire experts yeah, in many ways, this links back to uh, an episode in season two with Susie Moser and the Adaptive Mind Project. And yeah. how Susie and others are working to increase preparedness, but also the sort of mental functioning and care, especially among first-line responders, but also other, other folks. And uh, as this is spreading into all corners of the world, the line between first-line responders and other people may also get a bit more hazy. So it's a really, really a collective task, and community skills are are needed uh, in relation to the teams that I work a lot with, like eco anxiety. The situation is changing, so that the disaster. Uh, literature and eco-anxiety literature are now sort of becoming intertwined because the uh, lines between direct and indirect impacts are becoming even more blurred Mm -hmm. and I think one of the one of the results is what folks like Bob Doppelt and Susie Moser have been saying for years that we need 
better somatic skills for calming down the nervous nervous system but also then there's a need for longer term what I call ecological emotional skills so not just responding to acute crises they have a role there but also in the long run both individually and in communities learning skills about how to engage with the energies in different so-called ecological emotions for example guilt what do we do with it how do we balance it what's the energy in it and then of course sadness and grief is a major part of this as are the threat related emotions of of fear and worry and and anxiety just to name name a few there's of course the urge to help and empathy and compassion and that sort of thing which you thomas already mentioned and rebecca solnit has been written famously about the human tendency to come together in disasters. Yeah, that's that's the thing that that comes up. I mean, Pano and you and I have been in this area for a while, and we've seen these books, and we have you know books and papers on our shelves that have been around for years. Um, so they become kind of classics. If people aren't familiar with Rebecca Solness, she's got a number of really great books, but the uh, Paradise Made in Hell, I believe, is the title you know, her research on what actually happens during, during a disaster. And it does, it is like we talked about earlier, many people come together. Um, there's just so much interesting. <laughs> I just keep coming back to all the disaster research because it's so fascinating and it's so timely. You know, the idea that when there's a disaster, there's often a warning. Sometimes there's a warning, warning stage, like with the recent Los Angeles, um, Hillary, um, earthquake, there was a long warning stage. And a lot of people saw that coming and it was tracked and so people prepared, and then the luckily, as as uh, Murphy's law tends to go, if we really track and prepare, that the disaster tends to not be as bad as we expect. But with Lahaina, there was very little warning. Um, that's what these disasters are much more difficult. Uh, it was a surprise, literally, to people. Most disasters, there's a honeymoon phase where people work together to try to solve everything, and a lot of the social boundaries break down, and everybody's just all in it together. And then there's the long uh, coping and rebuilding stage, which could last months or years, depending on the circumstances. I mean, this this fire in Lahaina, just like the Hurricane Katrina, is going to be talked about for for a hundred years. I mean, people are going to be thinking about this and understanding it. Um, it the, the coping is not going to be quick. The coping with with Hillary, even though it was a huge storm, will be quicker mm. because it was more understood. So, you know, listeners, you can be thinking about all this. This it's quite normal. We're all, yeah, I know you're all taking this in in various ways. It reminds us about just being careful about the news and being able to pull ourselves back. When we're captivated by the news and events, we just get drawn into it. We don't really think about our news intake, but then we need to stop and, and, and remind ourselves to come back to our own lives and our own daily lives and what's happening outside our door. So that's, that's a big piece of this. And then, Pana, you talked about these emotional these emotional skills. Yeah, so maybe that's where we can move for the last part, like literally, what are some of these skills? You know, you brought up this idea in our earlier planning for this, this idea of a poly polycrisis, this, this concept of a polycrisis. And um, that's some, sometimes where people go with this kind of topic. But you want to say a little bit about what, how you find that helpful or how that's being talked about in Finland and other places, this idea of a polycrisis? Mm, yeah, it's, it's been getting more known in Finland as a term 
which aims to pay attention to the intertwining of multiple crises and threats. So, and in the Finnish use, it's a bit technical word because poly and crisis, they are not traditional Finnish words and it doesn't carry a heavy ideological baggage in, in the Finnish discourse. Mm-hmm. It's more like a technical term for the intertwining of various various crises. But I heard you, Thomas, say that there's a mm-hmm. certain more ideological tone in it, at least in some discourses in the states, if I'm I'm correct. So. Yeah, I think that's a term we could we could we could foreground because people might come on that, and it's one of these jargony terms that's used in planning and in politics. Um, but your average person might not come come across. So I think, yeah, I think that's that's you're right. I think technically that just simply means it's a technical term for a number of a number of problems another another term that's used similar to that is was are wicked wicked problems they're essentially um inter interrelated problems any of these disasters um are you know we have obviously climate climate changes natural weather patterns historic land use patterns you know in terms of what makes a place more vulnerable to fire and then we have the you know technology like the power grid and all these things, uh, and if we have issues, you know, in with those different areas, they all interact. Uh, but my understanding of poly crisis is even bigger than that. It really says, well, there's problems in our economic system, there's problems in our healthcare system, <laughs> there's problems in uh, the different technologies, there's political uh, polarization. So. The caution I have with these kind of terms, it goes comes back to your idea of emotional coping because I think some of these terms are so big and they can be really disempowering. It just makes us feel powerless. Like I get exhausted trying to think about... I, I think it just takes a lot of mental poise and a lot of mental weight to think about literally, okay, the global capitalist economic system, politics, and whatever whatever nation you're you're thinking of poverty so we're just reading a story about the the dalits uh the the so-called you know the untouchable the the low, lower caste people in india and how they're relegated to working in these dangerous mm. uh garbage um sanitation jobs and so that's a great example of a historic ancient caste system clashing with modern capitalism and, and social class uh and these are real things. These are real topics, real areas. But to me, they just carry a great weight. So we, we have to, we have to bring our best self to this. Otherwise, I think we just get overwhelmed and and um, and just um, I give up essentially. Mm-hmm. Just like I can't, and then we become despairing and sarcastic and and want to go, I don't know what, watch TV or just check out and it gets into that whole numbing that you talked about so that's that's my concern i i don't i don't technically have a concern with any of these terms they're 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 good ideas but we just we just have to take care of ourselves so what what are what 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 are some skills do you think Panu, that are helpful when we're taking on these these big entwined stuff like what what would you talk about in in your what do you what are kind of things you've seen being helpful or what would you talk about in when the workshops you do in Finland? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the danger of overwhelm is very very real, and the news diet thing that we have been mentioning is of course one part of that, but also 
the idea of still staying connected and appreciating the empathy and caring that we may feel or that or other people show. And the great pioneer in eco-emotion workshops, Joanna Macy, who has been often mentioned in this podcast also, she's been writing explicitly about this already many, many years ago, and her method is to explicitly uh, remember uh, and verbalize the, the caring and concern. And if one is at all a spiritual person, that of course may take the form of a kind of kind of prayer or a moment of of giving remembrance and commitment. And I, I think it would be very important to combine this with sort of self-caring and self-compassionate messages also. Uh, like saying to yourself that um, it's it's very valuable that that you care and it's very difficult to care uh, and you know there can be forms of self-talk or in safe groups talk in the in, in the so- social group about both the great value of caring and the difficulty of staying emotionally connected amidst so many di- dif- difficult things and of course that links also both with action doing something for a, a better world and the idea of taking rest and distancing which we discussed in for example in relation to this process model of eco anxiety and grief that i de- published last last de- de- december so both skills in in grief and skills in joy if one wants to put it put it that that way mm. so trying to give space in our daily and weekly lives still for the wide spectrum of emotions even though days may be different and there's periods that we need to just pay tribute to things that we feel as losses but what what do you think, Thomas? Does this resonate with with you? Yeah, for sure. I just want to highlight, you know, some of the things you're saying. So some of it, you know, the it it matters what we say. Uh, so that's just something to take away for listeners. It matters what we say. I mean, even in counseling, I I tell you know, I remind people 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 cannot read our minds. We need to, if we care about someone, we need to verbalize that we care about them. If we're sorry, we need to say that we're sorry. If we're if we're sad or feel guilty, we need to say that because people cannot read our minds. So we do need to verbalize what's happening for us. That's a, that's a key point that it seems obvious, but it's something that's missed. During disasters, we tend to isolate and be be uh, suppressed in our emotions naturally. Um, I even saw. Um, uh, a news the other day where where people stop breathing when they're looking at their email like mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a their screen apnea because our body is stressed and so we don't even realize that so um so yes saying the important emotions whether whatever it is is important um and then um yeah yeah i think that's that's a key t- takeaway and then again trying to do 360 emotions trying to not lose certain classes of emotions the so skills and skills and joy and that's a very um sophisticated thing in a disaster to to be able to still have gratitude to still have um thankfulness to still give us ourselves credit for 
all the hard work we're doing. Um, so yes, yeah, skills and grief and skills and joy. Yeah, the only other thing I would add is something, a new idea that I've had that I've been thinking about. Um, I haven't heard this term used other places, but the idea of, I, I call it disaster subculture. Mm. So like in a disaster, there's going to be different subcultures of people that are going to be ex having v v widely different experiences. So any of the disasters we've mentioned, if you're a, a public, um, if you're a disaster professional, for example, you work in the government, you you have a certain experience of what these disasters are and you you work on this every day and you're working on plans and protocols if you're a first responder like a firefighter of uh, a wildland firefighter um you're going to deal with fires differently i know wildland firefighters are trained to fight fires they want to fight fires they actually oddly enjoy that work it's what draw draws them and it's obviously dangerous and high adrenaline but they they have a very different expertise around what a fire is and then you've got of course disaster victims who have no experience in this at all and are waiting to be told on the radio what to do uh and so we have these different subcultures and they don't often communicate with each other mm -hmm. like so any of these disasters we've mentioned we have to realize there's huge diversity of what's going on for people mm -hmm. um so i i think that's a helpful that's a helpful thing for me to think about. There's these subcultures within disasters, and I'm I'm in one of them. <laughs> I myself am in one of these subcultures. Um, so if that makes if that makes sense, there's as I odd link with diversity, mm -hmm. uh, cultural diversity. There's disaster diversity. Mm -hmm. um, I have to be careful of coining too many <laughs> different new terms, but uh, but I think it's I think that I mean I think that's helpful disaster diversity so that's that's where i go with this yeah well. yeah th yeah thanks for reflecting on that i think that's a very very important point and of course lots of justice dynamics and differences in people's vulnerabilities are tied mm -hmm. tied with these disaster subcultures and di di diversity so so wanting to explicitly acknowledge that that, that also yeah well i think that's a good as good as any note to end on with such a tough topic that we're talking about today, um, this idea of of, um, of 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 diversity. So all all I mean, and all the listeners that this episode might touch, uh, you know, exemplify that 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 exemplifies that because you're, you know, people are coming from different parts of the world and different interests and different levels of experience with this, and um, so learning to support ourselves, love ourselves, share our positive feelings with other people realize that we're not alone um there are many many people that are concerned and are wanting the world to be a better place and so that's just something to take away so we'll leave it here um panu what does your rest of your evening look like well first of all there's something special for you listeners with thomas we have decided to uh, start doing a bit of bonus content also uh, to give something mm. special for our de devoted supporters and li listeners so we plan to usually uh, along with every episode to do something like 10 minutes of extra bonus material which is available for the patreon supporters so that's what we have in line today also before returning to family business yeah yeah that's a new thing we're into season three and um we're just being being creative here um well listeners take care you can find us at 
www.climatechangeandhappiness.com. And uh, you can also find us on Patreon. And we publish every two weeks. And we will see you again soon. Everyone, take care. Take care. The Climate Change and Happiness podcast is a self-funded volunteer effort. Please support us so we can keep bringing you messages of coping and thriving. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com.